And so I actually ended up dropping out of high school, not once, but twice. I never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was living with my parents, gaming up to 16 hours a day in their basement. I remember I was, I was drunk when they handed me my son in the hospital. They didn't know I was drunk. I worked with people who could stay abstinent from crack cocaine. And then they went back to prison because they could not stay abstinent from marijuana. They will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. Our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures. I had overdosed in eighth grade. I think that was shortly after I was suspended. Our teens are going through their hardest life transition in a world of rapid change and information anarchy. These are their stories and the advice from experts dedicated to helping them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. My guest today is Charles Fay from Love and Logic. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm just honored to be here. And, uh, you know, talking about how can we uh, give people some hope and, and these kids that are struggling so much. And, you know, they're, they can be so difficult and then they're also hurting so much inside and so how can we how can we give them skills and give them hope uh so that uh parents can say yeah i can do this and i think one of the the most important things is that when i work with families love and logic has always seemed to be this thing that you do with little kids and do and i and i just want to reassure from coming out of the gate we use love and logic on teens in the worst absolute crisis, I'm talking everything from heroin addiction to wow. self-harm to suicidality, love and logic, and the basics of love and logic still work. And I'm so excited you're here from the horse's mouth to talk to the parents about <laughs> this parenting system that I have used successfully, that my staff uses on other people's children successfully, and that we teach parents. It's very oh, effective. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm just amazed. I'm so honored you feel that way. And so Love and Logic was originally developed on really difficult kids. Lots of kids with attachment disorder. Lots of kids who, as soon as you tried to do any new skills, they'd fight you. And I bet some of the viewers there are thinking that that hits home. Every single one. We're getting on the right track. At least Aaron and his team is telling us that we're getting on the right track. And these skills make sense to us. It makes sense that we need to have boundaries. It makes sense that, that we say to the kid, here's how I'm going to operate. So I'll be happy to visit with you, you know, when your voice is calm. And, and I'll be happy to allow you to use the, the computer online when I feel comfortable with your decision making. And, I'll be, you know, I'm more than happy to have, you know, you hang out with your friends, invite them over, you know, I feel more comfortable when I'm there and uh, can uh, kind of keep an eye on things. And so we know that those are valuable skills. We also know that well, you are alluding to one of a very, very valuable skill about what we call the shooting to willingness, where rather than telling our kids, you know what you should do, and you know what you need to understand, and you know what you need to get through your thick little head into, hey, I'll be willing to share the internet password once I know that everybody is sharing an equal responsibility of the chores of the household. Until then, you're also yeah. welcome to go get your own job and pay for your own internet. But if you choose that way, I'm happy because you're showing responsibility. But another way to show responsibility is by you doing your share of the chores. And if that's happening, I am totally willing to provide you internet passwords and cell phone coverage. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of love and logic in that in essence, Love and Logic doesn't have that much to do with kids because we're focusing really on what we do and what we allow. And so we getting back to this idea that we're, we're working with kids, we're parenting kids who when we start to do the right things like boundaries, like not getting caught up in arguments with them, like uh, holding them accountable in a loving way. So it's kind of like, wow shoplifting. Are you guessing this changes the way I feel about you? Hmm. Not a bit. See, I, I, I can't imagine how upsetting it must be to be thinking about, you know, what am I going to say to the judge? You know, is this going to mean time, you know, whatever? And, and uh, 
I love you, and uh, I'm here to support you as you're going through this rough time. And and that's that's allowing the kid to live with the consequence, but doing it where I'm standing beside them and being supportive, but let the coming close here, not taking away any of the consequences. You you have a story in your teacher's um in 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 your teacher's curriculum where you tell a story about your son and the green tractor. And when, when I was, when I was teaching the class, the first time I taught the class and we got to that video, I started sobbing and I looked up and half the teachers are crying. And, and this, what you're talking about, and it was your last line that you said in that video is that, is that you, you can't steal from your children. And you're talking about that natural consequence of these choices. We want to focus on they're making a bad choice. They're making a bad choice and they should make good choices, but we're not letting them experience the result of their bad choices. We, if our kids playing hockey, we're the parent diving in front of the puck. You got to let them get scored on. That's how we get better. And so I want to sit with that for a second. I want to sit with oh, the, sure, sure. the stealing. And then we'll circle around. Yeah. Yeah. Let's sit with that. And then let's circle back around to this idea where I'm a parent. I'm I've my kids in your program or I'm learning about love and logic. And now I'm doing these things that are really I, I know in my heart they're the right things, and the kid seems worse. Right. We'll circle around back Thank to that. You. So go ahead. Perfect. So what we have when we talk about natural consequences for parents, and I've done other podcasts on natural consequences, mm-hmm. is the fear that because they've shoplifted or they've got a minor in possession charge and they've been ditching school for the last month and a half, and it looks like they're becoming addicted to these compensation behaviors, that they're not dealing with their pain. But now yeah. they're really in trouble. And now they have to go to court and now they don't have the money to hire a lawyer and we're wondering whether we should finance it and get payback and stuff. But now we're in the adult realm of this is an adult size issue and an adult size mistake and I want them to have a natural consequence to this choice they made. So tell me about balance within these big decisions and big consequences how do I step back to vacate the space for them? Okay, so so the first thing I think is helpful to understand is good parents can have kids that end up doing things like this. And sometimes we get caught up in self-blame and our effectiveness goes way down. A second point I'll say is some of my very favorite people, adults, who've made huge positive impacts in the on the world and have been wonderful, loving parents and community members shoplifted and got busted when they were young or they had a drug problem or something like that happened. And so there is great hope. In fact, uh, if a kid can go through the fire and come out and in a successful way, they're a stronger person. I like to say it this way. Great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. <laughs> they, they, you know, the really great people have gone through some tough things and maybe they've messed stuff up for themselves, but they've gone through it. And now they are a great source of support to other people. So let's get to the question of balance. And first part of balance is knowing that this isn't the end of the world. You know, I, I can let this kid go through this really difficult situation and it's not the end of the world. The balance part is, I would say, life and limb. Uh, you know, the kid, they get busted for uh, drunk driving, and they can't afford uh, the court costs. There's services available through public defenders. Uh, the worst thing you can do, parents, I'm just going to lay it on you, is hire a good lawyer. Uh, the worst thing you can do is is bail the kid out. Uh, you may be able to, you know, put some money in their, you know, their uh, phone uh, account so they can, you know, talk with you when they're doing their time. And uh, when, you know, you're loving and empathetic as they're going through this and when they say it's really scary in here and you got to come and get me, oh, it just breaks your heart. And then you say to yourself, and, and, and I want to, I want to give you something you can say to yourself, pay now or pay bigger. 
you know, some people say pay now or pay later. That's true, but I think it's more accurate to say pay now or pay bigger. Right. Because the, 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 the dynamic of, of many of these kids, if they're, they go untreated, is they just escalate over time. You know, the, the behavior gets worse and worse. And pretty soon we're talking about multiple offenses, maybe, you know, massive prison time. And so the formula is I step back and it is the most painful thing I could possibly do. And I'm empathetic and caring and I and I get rid of the shoulds or and I get rid of the shouldn'ts for myself and the kid and I say to myself great people are forged in the the furnace of affliction it's kind of like to make a sword really strong you have to heat it up and bang on the metal and it's not a comfortable thing for the sword <laughs> but that's how a strong sword is built that's how anything's strong right you know I I I just um, had a bunch of trees fall down in my area. Big pine trees are about 100 years old. And the reason they fell down was that the power company cleared a new line for a new poles and a line, and they took away the trees that had been uh, uh, sheltering these other trees for 100 years. And now all of a sudden we have these trees that look like they're really strong, but they never developed a deep root system because there were other bigger trees sheltering them the whole time. And it's it's a fundamental law of nature. Nothing gets strong without resistance. And so most of it is a mental battle for the parent. So the balance is not so much, in my mind, taking away the natural consequences, because we can't. They'll just get bigger. But it is looking at, can I balance the pain and discomfort this individual is going through with uh, compassion and empathy without taking away the consequences. So that's one of the big love and logic pieces that I think creates a failure on the parent's part or the teacher's part or the mental health worker's part is the empathy when we get angry at our kids because they've done something so stupid. And we get so reactive. They have violated our value system at the core level. Oh, yes. And man, all that fury is firing forward. And we come with that finger and that face that at one point our anger had leverage because they were a little kid and dad got mad and we were so big. And the kid was like, but now the kid's as big as we are and we get big and they get bigger. And so we cuss and they cuss more and we call them a name and they call us a name. And now the total focus is on the anger and it's on the energy and it's not on the choice or consequence. It's not on the child. The child has been able to displace the entire experience of them getting high, ditching school and getting arrested onto you because you're pissed. And that's a hard part because in the moment we're really angry. And I have heard parents saying, I don't like love and logic because it doesn't let you be angry. And that's not true, is it? That's not true. In fact, uh, from time to time, it's really good to tell a kid how angry you are. And we like to do it, uh, teach it this way. I am so mad right now, I can't even think straight. I, and, and as a result, I'm not going to do anything right now because I make better decisions when I'm calm. And we'll talk later. That is so freeing for parents and teachers, too, to be able to. Now, you don't want to do it every single day with the kid. But, (laughs) you know, you pull that one out, and it's freeing just to get some steel in your voice. And, you know, just kind of let the kid know where you're at. And I make better decisions when I'm calling. We'll talk later about this. It is one of the most potent experiences in our facility. And every time we train a staff member in this one, it throws them for a loop. And then they see it one time in action and it becomes a go-to card where a kid has done something and they're being really reactive because they're in crisis. We, we do not believe any child manipulates unless they're in crisis because that's what humans do is manipulate yeah. the environment because they feel it's out of control and they're terrified of right. survival. So, when a kid acts out in a certain way, they've punched a hole in the wall or, you know, they, they're they packing a backpack to head towards the front door. And we say something like, you know, uh, 
unfortunately that that choice was you know against the rules and i see how frustrated you are and that makes sense to me because blah 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 and so here we are at this and i know you know there's consequences and i know too but right now is not the time for me to do consequences we'll talk about this later and then this next sentence is the key try not to worry about it and when you <laughs> say that the kid worries about it yeah, you know, it's kind of like I I had uh, the IRS. This is a true story. They they sent me a letter and say, you know, there's some discrepancies, but we'll get back to you on it. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> the good news was that I think it was a very small thing that we had done, and it was a minor minor issue. We just had to pay. But the IRS didn't lose any sleep but, on that one. You did. I mean, I. I'm thinking prison time and how do you, you know, how do you, <laughs> homelessness. I know that exactly. one. Terrifying, you know, and, uh, and of course you try to call and get more info and they, well, you know, they don't have any, but, but, uh, that's, that's a huge piece. So let's, let's circle back, um, to a couple things and, and that is our anger. And to, you know, I, I ran into a guy and we were talking about this. He says, I've, I've had like 20 foster kids. And they were all really deeply challenging kids. And he said, honestly, I, I never really had any problems with them. And I'm thinking, liar. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, seriously? He says, but, but I've had a lot of problems with that kid inside of my own head. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, what, he's, what he meant was, yeah, these kids brought a lot of tough behaviors. Right. We had a lot of challenges with these kids. Most of the time, we didn't know what we were going to do. We had to kind of fake it till we made it. But he said the biggest, the most disruptive kid was this kid inside of my head that was going off, you know. And uh, I've, I, I've come to the conclusion that, uh, you know, a real helpful adjunct to love and logic is uh, – some some anger skills for us parents and professionals and uh, you know I, I was just talking to a guy named John Aaron's who's a juvenile probation officer up in Oregon been doing it for years and and he teaches kids lots of skills for dealing with anger but you know a lot of this comes down to you know what is our paradigm okay as a parent working with this difficult kid what what is how do we perceive this kid's behavior and so many times we perceive it as failure on our part. We perceive it as a challenge to our value system. We perceive it as a royal pain in the butt. We perceive it as a major financial drain. Uh, there's a lot of different things that come into view, and they're all negative, and it's perfectly natural for the next step, based on that perception, to be a lot of anger or sarcasm. And how do we start reframing this and really looking at it through a different lens where I view this as here's a kid who has an opportunity to make a massive contribution to the world. How do I look at this and think, you know, most kids are not able to learn as much as this kid is learning right now. And I want to speak to you very truthfully that, again, I'm going to circle back. Some of the people that have made the biggest impact on my life personally and professionally have been people who had some of these struggles as kids. There really is great hope. So can I perceive this as a great learning opportunity for the kid? Can I perceive it as something that I can't control directly, but I can provide an opportunity for the kid to grow? It's like, you know, when I try to control my wife, it never works. <laughs> and then she tries to control me back. And then we get into control battles, and then we're mad at each other, so we yell at a kid. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that, that happens too. Um, but when we start looking at this and thinking, you know, it's really okay for me not to control this kid. It, it's not wrong for me to step back and say, yeah, I, I really, maybe all this control I thought I had is a kind of an illusion. But what I can do is exercise a great amount of influence. So the question is control versus influence. See, influence is where I lead a really, really healthy life. And the kid connects with me in some way, shape, or form 
and they start to internalize my values because they see me as being a really healthy, positive person. Wow. You know, uh, Aaron, you uh, you sent me some questions that uh, you know ahead of time, and one of them was, you know, what are the key points that I would want parents to get a you know right. get across to parents and you know, I've been doing quite a bit of research uh, and, and writing some things on uh, kids who've experienced trauma or kids who have really lots of acting out survival behaviors, and I think they're relevant to this discussion. And Very much so. I, you know, I, I take all this research and clinical experience, and I try to boil it down into three things, and, and I call it the triad of hope. So how do we how do we reach a kid when we really don't, we've realized we don't have direct control over this kid? We can't make this kid be healthy. Now, we can have great, great impact. So let's not get hopeless here. We have a great impact, huge impact. We can change lives, but we don't have direct control. Like we can't grab the kid and make him do what we want him to do and believe what we want him to believe. So the triad of hope is, number one, really healthy relationships. Uh, I've never seen a kid who is troubled uh, overcome those troubles without relationship. And that relationship, love and logic style, is based on the idea that the parent or the caregiver is very, very loving and caring, but they're powerful at the same time. They're not a doormat. And a lot of that is, it gets legs, hands and feet on it, through the empathy. Empathy is essentially caring about somebody and allowing them to experience what they're going to experience. Sympathy is caring about somebody but trying to take it away and sending the message that you're not strong enough. Empathy is, I can't imagine how upset you must be because you took those pictures of yourself and now they're out on the internet. Man. Sympathy is, oh, you poor thing. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe we can get with some tech experts and maybe there's some way they can block all the, 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 the you know, right. different message. Right. So it's that relationship. And a big part of the relationship is the second part of the triad of hope, and that is healthy boundaries. Never seen a kid get better unless they had healthy boundaries where the parent the caregivers are saying, here's what we're going to do uh, or allow. And, you know, we care about you so much that we're willing to set limits. The third part of the triad of hope is success experiences. These kids being able to go through the fire and see that they can survive it. I mean, think about it. How do we build self-concept? How do we build hope in people? It, it, you know, I can say right now to parents, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. And uh, that's a nice thing to say, but it's not experienced. It's not internalized. How do we have hope? Well, we have people who believe in us. We have people who send the message, you know, I really care enough uh, about you to, to know what you're doing and what you're involved in and providing a good model of what boundaries look like. And, you know, and I also love you enough to participate in allow or moving you towards having some success experiences. So in other words, encountering struggle and seeing that you can overcome it. And, and so how do you have hope? You go through a tough time, and then you see that you got through it. That's how we develop hope. I think there's a there's a couple things that come up from that, and I love it. I've I've written it down. This is now a poster. This is going up. I love this because it it, it again helps with the simplification. And so many of the love and logic tools falls under one or or all three right, of those exactly. categories at times. So I really like that. And I think there's a there's a there's a question that's going to come up for parents around this, and it is um, it's like the old red shoes and blue shoes when your kid's a toddler, right? Like yeah. giving them the choice and say, do you want the red or blue? I don't want shoes. Oh, I know it's so frustrating. We hate shoes. Red or blue, and you're able to still hold that boundary and come right back in. But now, 
I've got a teenager who's saying things like, I'm going to kill myself because my friends are bullying me online and I've told you before and, and we've missed something big or maybe we've never done the love and logic thing, but now we're hearing about it or we did it as kids and we kind of faded away. But now we get this life and limb thing dropped in our lap. Yeah. How do you, and, and, and you talked about you can't control your kids. And you're right, because if you you hear a noise, it's two in the morning, you walk in, you see your teenager's foot bailing out the window, and you want to go grab it, and you can't grab your kid, you can't cut, you can't chase them because they'll run, and then now it's more dangerous. So how do you know where that line of, I need to intervene, and, and all rules are off the table, this is anything goes because now my kid's life is on the line, versus, and there are times we've coached when a, a kid says, I'm going to kill myself if you make me give you my phone and we say we teach parents to say that would really make me sad and what did i say and mm -hmm. but these are kids who might throw their phone at you and then go grab a bottle of tylenol and down the whole thing and yeah. so where is the life and limb line what happens to choice what when life and limb is yeah. limb is on it, the line yeah, and, and one of the things I, I said to Aaron listeners is I, I said, you know, he, he's asking these questions ahead of time. I'm saying, I'm so thankful you're asking me easy questions. <laughs> you know, I, I hope you understand I'm joking there because I'm, I'm totally humbled by those. And there's many times where we just have to trust our gut and err on the side of safety. Yeah. I mean, that that's my, my probably my, my most authentic response I can give you is, is it's like I just have a feeling this is going is going to end poorly, and you know uh, dead kids don't get better, and and so I got to protect this kid. And love and logic is not against rescuing people. We rescue people when they need it, when it's absolutely essential. We're going to jump in and and rescue. And so getting back to responding to when the kid. And you know, we'll just do a, a scenario here if it'd be helpful. Um, the kid says, you know, I, I'm just going to kill myself because, you know, all these kids are bullying me. You know, the first response is always empathy and listening. And that, that goes under the first you know, part of the triad of hope, that relationship. Right. See, I can listen, and I may totally disagree with what somebody's saying, but I can still listen and empathize with their perspective on it. That's right. We have to remind parents that giving advice is not listening. Right. And and listening doesn't mean you're saying this is a good idea. Listening just says I care enough about you that that I want to I love you. And that's that's what listening says. I love you. And so uh, I, I would probably be pretty stressed when I, when I hear this from my kid. And I, I'm going to I guess the first thing I would say you know, it hopefully is, I am so thankful that you feel comfortable talking with me about this and, and telling me about that. And it sounds like you are just, I mean, you're hurting so much that you just, you can't even, can't even stand it. It hurts so bad uh, what those kids are saying. And, you know, a lot of times I'll, I, I try not to look at an older kid too much because they clam up, you know, so, uh, a little limited eye contact or, um, and I hope the kid responds, and a lot of times they will. They'll say, well, they just, they just call me gay, or they just say this, all these things about me, you know, and, and uh, then, I, then I'm sticking with feelings. This is, you know, the basic active listening skills that therapists, good therapists learn. And so, you know, what you're telling me is they're, they're calling you this, and, you know, obviously that makes you want to end your life. And notice I'm putting some space in this conversation. There's very few things that are more powerful than some silence. And let's say the kid just totally clams up. They won't say anything about it. And I, as a parent, I might say something like, wow, I wish I could take, I wish I could make this, just take this away from you. It's, I wish I could do that. And um, I don't think I can, but I sure would like to be helpful because I just love you. And uh, I know, you know, there have been times where uh, you've done some things around here that, you know, I wasn't very happy about. And uh, are you guessing that changed the way I felt about you as you? No. See, I just 
I just love you. And so uh, I'd like to help. And uh, I'm kind of curious, how, how long have you been feeling this way? Nice. Okay. Then I go into gathering some information if I can. So, you know, have you, have you thought about how you might do that? I mean, you told me that you were thinking about suicide and, you know, you know, what are your thoughts? Is you have a plan and that sort of thing? I'm kind of going into it trying to understand what's going on with the kid and the severity of it. And, and I know you want to say something, but let me jump in real quick here. Um, I'm going to take these things seriously. I, I mean, there are times where, you know, I take it seriously. We work with a therapist. We work on the whole team. And the and we come to a conclusion as a team that, you know, really we, we don't want to feed into it too much. Sometimes we come to that conclusion. I mean, it's different every time. So sometimes we come to the conclusion as a team that the best way to handle this is with not a whole lot of emotion or dialogue. There's other times where we come together as a team and we say to ourselves, this kid needs to be supervised 100% of the time. This kid needs to have a psychiatric eval because maybe there's some biochemical stuff going on. You know, we got we to gotta jump in and put some very tight boundaries around this kid so we can keep them alive. And, uh, but, you know, I, I tend to err on the side initially of putting those boundaries in. We can always loosen them up if we need to later on. But again, you know, we we uh, we want to make sure that we do everything we can to to keep this kid alive. You're you're uh, talking you're talking about one of the the core things that you know that, that therapists are taught, and that's that you don't shy away from the conversation. Now, I'm, right, talking, right. I'm talking about that second part, that first part of leaving space and the power of vacating the space you want the child to employ. And then there's that space to say, okay, is this child just venting to me or is there an intention of suicide here? And saying, have you thought about how you're going to do it? And can we, can we, and, and that, that willingness to, as a parent, get in the fire and get into that shadow and get into the darkness that this child is obviously feeling, but to do it. And this is what love and logic has always given me as a parent, as an employer, as a, as a, as a mental health worker for other people's children. It has allowed me in the relationship to, with children to no matter what's going on, be the well-regulated adult in the conversation, whether the kid is screaming and cursing, my heart rate's not going up. Now, I might be mad, but that's not running my life. My training right. is running my life. My my practice of these skills with the red shoes and blue shoes, and now it's suicide or not suicide, but the same red shoes and blue shoes choice. I can't stop you from killing yourself. But what I can do is say, right now, I'm here with you, and I'll I'll be with you. And and it would be important for for me to tell you that. It would haunt the rest of my life. And I also need you to know that you're ultimately have a choice to make here and I'll, I'll be here with you until you do. And you need to know if it goes this way, we will be involving 911. And if it goes this way, I think it's time to talk to a therapist and, right, right. but I'm with you on both. And that's how we remain an ally. Even when the kid is terrifying us or infuriating us, we stay the ally. Yeah, and uh, that that fits into the second uh, part of the triad of hope, or there are boundaries that we set with words, but there's also the the most powerful boundaries are set with our emotions and our response. And the boundary is, I can empathize with you, but I'm still I'm not going to fall apart because you are. Right. And you know, so many kids, their parents fall apart as soon as they fall apart, and then who's leading who? You know, and, and and so it's a very difficult thing. And I have to say with my own kids going through some pretty tough things, I have three. Uh, one is, is uh, 33, another one is 24, and then we have uh, almost 11-year-old. And uh, we've been through some real scary stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, I honestly, I'm just faking it till I make it most of the time. <laughs> They're my own kids because I have to say, okay, what would I say to somebody else? And then right. I imagine what I would say to somebody else, and then I try to pretend that I'm doing it. Is is you know, it's so we. Um, I just want to be be completely honest with people that 
when it's our own kids and we're not doing a podcast and this is real life and the rubber is hitting the pavement and now we're down to the rim, you know, because the tires, you know, worn off. It's all sparks. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sparks. <laughs> it, it, it ain't like we're a lot of times really feeling it, but we're saying to ourselves, this kid so desperately needs a leader. Yes. A loving yes. leader that I got to at least make it look like I'm I'm handling things well. And they're really great leaders. Honestly, I, I think most of the time they just know how to how to look calm. <laughs> you know? And and so if you're feeling like you're blowing apart inside, say to yourself, this is normal. It's okay for me to feel this way. This, this is my kid, this is my world. Um and and then can you uh, do a good job of uh you know, I often say, you know, playing Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. I mean, that was quite a acting job there. <laughs> and so, uh, and so um, getting back to, you know, we, we run into these other issues with kids. And, you know, they're, they're like, you know, I don't care. I think any, you know, anybody can can have sex with anybody and, like, smoke weed and drive. It's no big deal. I'm more alert when I'm smoking weed. I'm more relaxed. I make better decisions, yeah. you know. And I can text and smoke weed and have sex and drive at the drive. same time. All these things. Okay. So, you know. And, and they're saying stuff. And essentially what it is is they're looking at your deeply held values and trying to figure out how, whether or not you're going to be able to handle them. Uh, going against all of them like you know can this person really handle me uh, testing this boundary and are they going to freak out or are they going to be strong and uh, the love and logic uh, you know first of all again it's going into the listening wow that's a that's a really interesting perspective and notice this is not sarcastic that's really interesting uh uh, you know, tell me more about that, which is, you know, down deep, the last thing you want to hear more about. Tell me more about that. That's something parents, if you're listening, write that down. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more about this. Well, like you and dad are so like old fashioned. You think people should be married before they do things like this, you know, and that is like so five minutes ago or whatever they say nowadays. And wow. So your thinking is, is that old fashioned and that, you know, it's like you, you know, kind of feel like you have a, you know, a better perspective than, than mom and I on that. Well, yeah, like anybody would have a better perspective than you. And it's really, you know, they're really trying to push. And so you're saying, well, you know, I, I'm really glad you asked him some questions. So like, you know, where, when did you start coming to this opinion? And they're all questions just to get the kid talking. You don't really want the information. And, so, <laughs> and then we get to a point where we'd say, honey, I'm so glad that you shared those things with me. And, you know, um, I mean, I could understand how some people would feel that way. Um, just wouldn't work for me personally. Well, you can't tell me what to do. No, honey, am I talking about you or about me? Right. They, I mean, I'd be worried that, you know, if I was texting and driving and having sex and smoking pot, I'd, you know, end up, you know, getting something that, um, you know, that, that can't be cured and in a traffic accident, you know, all at the same time, but these you know, wouldn't work for me. But if, if anybody can handle these, these consequences, you can. Nice. Cause you're not taking the consequences away. Charles in the time and the time we got left, cause we've got this one other part of, of the, of the triad left to talk about is it's these, the success experiences. Right. And right. what, what love and logic isn't is a complete focus on the positive and, and having raised right. my kids in Boulder, Colorado, there was a huge push in the nineties that you just focus on the positive and they participated and give them a trophy and they, you know, just yeah. allow them to, to experience the overwhelm abundance of the universe rather than having a child bounce yeah. off walls. And so since, since love and logic is not only focus on the positive, 
and downplay the negative um, because we're setting boundaries, because we're allowing space for consequences, because in fact, we even talk about it. We're hitting our knees saying, dear God, please let my child really mess this one up so that oh, yeah, yeah. they can, and then just please give them a consequence that protects life and limb, but really teaches them, I'll stay out of the way as best I can. Amen. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so, so yeah. what do you mean by the success experiences? What is, what is this? Success for uh, love and logic. Oh, I'll give you an example of it. It's it, first of all, it's the kid messing up first or hitting something that is hard. Social worker who said to me, she said, a good cake needs three things: lots of sugar. That's a relationship. She said it also needs a pan to cook in because if you just pour the batter in the oven, it just runs out. It, you know, it burns up everything, right? They so got to have a pan, which are the boundaries, and then there's got to be heat. Because if you don't have any heat in the oven, you take the, the pan out and you turn it upside down, just oozes out on the counter. So she so said the heat is where the kid makes a poor decision or they encounter a trial. Maybe it's, no, it's not a result of a poor decision. Somebody else has created the problem. And that's when the, the adult comes in and says, oh, you know, I can't imagine how you're feeling, you know, nice dose of empathy. And then how do you think you're going to solve this problem? And they give the kids some ideas about solving the problem or coping with the problem. And the parent steps to the side. And, you know, they're looking through the into the oven, through the glass. They got the light on. They're paying attention to the kid. See, because they don't want there to be too much heat because the kid will get burnt. But they just want enough heat, enough struggle, so that kid can firm up, you know, so that so that cake can come together and firm up and have its own boundaries. See, because sooner or later we're going to have to turn that bunt cake pan upside down and let that cake come out. And what we hope is that that cake has enough of its own boundaries that it can stay firm in this tough world. So uh, the question is, it's not about, hey, great, you're breathing today. Here's a trophy. You know, you're, you're, you're supporting your own weight. Let's have a pizza party. You know, that stuff has just created a bunch of people in our society that are total wimps. I mean, if you want to see an example, look at the Liberty Mutual insurance commercial where the, the teenage kid can't uh, change the, the uh, flat tire. And, uh, you know, it's really kind of pathetic. And so what we really want to do is create strong people who know how to cope with difficulties. What that means, though, is sometimes we kind of have to stack the odds in favor a little bit so the kid can be successful. And uh, foster daddy, this kid broke all the dishes because she was told that, you know, asked to unload the dishwasher. So she unloaded it, you know, Frisbee style into the into the cupboard. And uh, foster mom and dad. Oh, yeah. Wow. You must have been really mad. Uh, the good news is we have paper plates around here and we'll talk about this tomorrow. I'll try not to worry about it. So the kid thinks she's off the hook, you know, next day, you know, Gary, the, the foster dad, Oh, how you think you're going to get those replaced? Well, I don't have any money. Well, that's understandable. And I guess some kids decide to, you know, go around the neighborhood and see if there's anybody that would be willing to, you know, trade some work around the house for some used dishes. He gave her some options. Well, they, they call around to this guy who lives down the street, you know, and uh, lo and behold, he's got some used dishes. You know, it's kind of a setup. But boy, did this kid do some hard work around there. Shows up with the dishes. The foster parent says the best part about it was her, how, how hard she worked trying to look like she wasn't proud of herself. But I get that. Yeah, she still had to act disgruntled. Of course. And that's what you, that's what you meant in that story that I alluded to earlier about stealing from your kids. When you take away the hard work, when you take away the yeah. fire, when you take away the, the trial, you know, it's one of the original parts of the, of the hero's journey is that trial by yes. fire. Yes. And when you succeed, whether you're presenting, the disgruntled nature or anything, you've grown. And 
that's if we if we take care of all of our kids problems if we are the ones who keep throwing ourselves in front of the goalie net so that our kid never gets scored on and and feels bad or or gets injured then we're the ones with the bruises and our kids are like life is so easy but then when life does give them one in the noggin they don't know how uh, to handle it and it's it's that's right yeah yeah, and uh, let's, let's circle around and make sure that we answer the question about what do you do when you're doing these things and you as a parent feel like the kid is actually worse. I mean, yeah. it, it's like the kid is, is testing. You say to yourself, this is, this is part of the process. When I do the right thing with a really difficult person, <clears throat> it, it might even be my spouse or an employee or, or anybody else, when I do the right thing, it's often going to look and feel like the wrong thing in the short term because that person is going to have to test to see if I'm for real. Right. And so as a parent, you say to yourself, it's just like remodeling a kitchen. You know, I mean, you get halfway into it and you're like, I, what am I doing here? And now it's costing twice as much as I thought. And if you can ride that out and keep reminding yourself that uh, this is going to get better if I stick to this, uh, you're not going to be sorry for that. It's hard to remind parents that they've been raising yeah. these kids with a value system for 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years. And right. it's not something you forget overnight because you've made a few bad choices. Uh, we see kids consistently. They hit boys around 28 years old, girls around 25 they they revisit the value system that the family set. And so like love and logic, you have to really stay focused on your behavior. Are you regulated? Are you really living these values that you're trying to promote through lecture to your children? Are you modeling them? Is it you complain about your kid's cell phone use, but are you texting during dinner? You know, are, <laughs> yeah. are, are your, do you plug your phone in the kitchen at night to say, this is what we do and not take your phone to bed with you. So oh. that, that's been a big part of love and logic for me as a parent. Cause I started this gig out as a drill sergeant, my daughter, and you're going to do it the way hell or come high water. It's, it's right. my way or the highway. And I was a recovered drug addict. The heck did I know about making good decisions? And <laughs> I learned love and logic. Um, and being able to take a step back and just let my daughter make good and bad and crazy. And and mm. now she is this girl who really has the love, the, the universal love and the ability to compartmentalize and be logical. You know, the love is uh. abundant. The, you, you give it to everyone. You put it in all things. But the logic is when you say this makes sense and this doesn't. So we're going to look here and we can have these. It really is what what this really is an incredible system and, and I have not seen it not work. Oh, well, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to visit with you. And, you know, again, I want to just personally thank uh, the parents and professionals who are watching this because you're going through a journey and it's a, it's a challenging one. I mean, and um, I just want to thank you. And I want you to know that, uh, we at Love and Logic, the founders, my father and I, and Dr. Klein, all the other people can, who've contributed, we struggle every day. <laughs> you know, there are times where my wife says to me, you know, after, uh, you know, I'll say to her, I'll say, after the way things went today with the kids, I have no business, you know, doing anything, you know, <laughs> teaching anything. And she usually says, true, you know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> they need that and we need money, so keep doing what we're doing. But, uh, <laughs> You know, I say that because a lot of people have come to me over the years and said, you know, probably the most encouraging thing I ever heard from you today was that you mess up too. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, tomorrow's a new day. Right. When we yeah. have we have parents because of this podcast, we're going to want to seek you guys out, figure, find out about your trainings, contact you guys 
cry with one of your amazing, and listen, I mean amazing, every time I call Love & Logic on the phone to talk about one of our orders or to try to set up this podcast, your team has been nothing short of some of the best customer service I have ever experienced. It's like, well, I'd really like to see if if, if I could get Jim a message. Like, oh my God, let me transfer you. And I'm suddenly I'm talking to your father and I'm like, oh my gosh. And we're just talking about <laughs> us being a facility that utilizes Love & Logic with the kids right. who stand on the precipice of life and death. So now I'm a parent. I've listened to this podcast and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I need help. Where do I go? How do I get in touch with Love & Logic? Well, the, the, the way that I think is most helpful is to call us. And that's 800-338-4065. And that's because we do have real people that answer the phone and they're going to listen to you and try to really fine tune the product that you can get your hands on to, to give you some uh, tools and strategies, ideas to be successful with. But you could also visit our website. It's loveandlogic.com, and there's an awful lot of resources there. And, of course, a lot of people nowadays like to, you know, it's, it's people that kind of think, I don't have time to talk to somebody. I just have to get, you know, get on the web. And you can do that, too. And so, But uh, I guess I'm kind of old school, and uh, I think that people are really well served by calling. And as you said, Aaron, I, uh, I have uh, people that are, are hand uh, handpicked. And I really haven't had to train them. They're just loving people who care about people. And, and they know that we don't have to sell anything. It sells itself. What we do is we give people hope and, and take good care of them. So. Well, and, if, and if any of these parents are ever fortunate enough to be in a training where you or your father are training, what I also have to say is the stories you guys tell about experiences of other parents, successful and non-successful teachers and yourselves in your real life experiences of raising children, your father raising you, who kind of rips, <laughs> you have no skeletons in your closet. Your father's told all your stories. And they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're walking around. <laughs> <laughs> but the stories are fun. They're not only real and applicable, but they're fun and the trainings are very fun. And so I really want to encourage parents as a former know-it-all parent to come on and learn this system. It profoundly changed my life and in return changed my children's life who are both working their butts off in a life of their own creation because I taught them I trust you to screw this up and fix it. And it's oh. it's been amazing. So yeah, Charles, yeah. from the bottom of my heart, thank you for what you guys have created. It's extremely thank effective. You. So I really appreciate this opportunity to have you on Beyond Risk and Back. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, I wish you the best and all of your your staff and the, the people that are coming to you and the kids, you know, uh, just to wish you guys the best. Thank you so much. So remember, get on loveandlogic.com or go ahead and give them a call. And they got people standing by to help you if you're a parent. I want to thank our boss goddess, Kristen Walker at Mental Health News Radio. And Emily, this has been Beyond Risk and Back. Remember, parents, the rules are you take care of yourself first, you take care of your adult relationship second, and you take care of your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. And so until next time, talk soon. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.